Welcome to the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. My guest today is a seasoned nutritional therapist and wellness coach, renowned for her transformative 21-day and 8-week group programs. Through these offerings, she not only fosters a strong sense of community support and unwavering accountability, but also places a heavy emphasis on education surrounding the impact of sugar on the body. Sue shares her invaluable insights on this journey towards improved health and self-assurance. On today's podcast, we'll be chatting about sugar awareness. A very well to the podcast, Sue Thomas. How are you today, Sue? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me, David. No, my pleasure. Uh, let's get this started. Um, this is one of the, the main points of the podcast. Where are you right now on planet Earth? Where am I right now? I am just outside Worcester, which well, is Worcester, which is, uh, if you know, Liam Perrin's source. Oh, yes. That's where William Perrin Source originates from. Um, and we're just uh, kind of about 20 miles south southwest of Birmingham, basically. Oh, nice. And and uh, how is the weather this time of year? It's like a TripAdvisor rating or kind yeah. of like you're trying to promote the, the area of Worcester. Yeah, it's, a, so. it's actually lovely and sunny today. And um, I'm very fortunate in that in my office, I have a lovely view of the Malvern Hills, which are not very far away. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a lovely place to be today when the sun is shining. Cool. So, okay, I'll give you a bit of an introduction about your background. So can you let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself? I will, yes. So I've been in the uh, wellness industry for 20 years. Um, I used to be a personal trainer. Um, and um, in, in 2009, I had um, a streptococcal knee infection, which basically meant that I ended up on about 25 days of antibiotics. And at the time, I didn't really understand it. I was just a per- I was I said just a person. I was a personal trainer. I had a very busy tra- um, training clinic. And um, fast forward about four years, and I was just exhausted. I was heading for burnout. Basically, um, I was eating rubbish all the time. I wasn't present for my family. I wasn't present for my clients, and I wasn't walking the talk. And that's really important to me. I need to walk the talk for my clients. I need to be a representation of what they want to achieve. And so I went to see a nutritional therapist myself who um, helped me identify um, a way forward to kind of reduce the adrenal fatigue, repair my intestinal health, which had been destroyed by the antibiotics I'd had four years earlier, um, but also then just help me get my well-being back to where it needed to be. And because of that process of kind of really focusing on nutrition, I'd always been quite interested in nutrition, but I just kind of suddenly went, that I, this is where I need to go. This is the direction I need to go in. I need to go and understand more about nutrition. So I did more and more research, took a nutritional therapist qualification and kind of kept on moving in the direction of nutrition. Uh, I finished doing the personal training and just focused on nutrition. And as we, as I progressed, the more I progressed, the more research, the more kind of scratching beneath the surface I did, I realized that actually everything at the end of the day comes back to what our insulin is doing. And insulin is the hormone that is released in response to sugar. And if our insulin is high, it has a knock-on effect to so many elements of our body. If our insulin is low, our body can be in a place of better health. We can live more vibrantly. We can have more energy. We can sleep better. And the more I kind of looked into it, the more I realized that so many people were in a place of uh, desperation really more than anything else in having these sugar cravings and having um, being on this kind of blood sugar roller coaster and not realizing they are. And so I wanted to help people do something about that. And so that's really where the sugar free coach came from. And I say to people, you know what, I'm 100% honest in that I am not fully 
sugar-free. I do have a little bit of sugar in my diet every now and again. It's okay to do that. I would say I'm probably 90% sugar-free. Um, but I want to help people understand that actually it's easy to get your blood sugars balanced. It's not difficult. You just need to understand what to eat and when to eat it so that you don't worry, have to worry about how much you're eating in the future. Because as soon as your blood sugars are balanced, that opens up the doors for so many other things. And so that's where I am, really. That's how I've become the sugar-free coach. I've been doing this now for properly, pro- properly as, a, as the sugar-free coach for three years. I run programs um, for my clients, group programs and individual cro- programs as well, uh, just to help people understand that they they deserve and can live a full and vibrant life, basically. So, so can we go back then? So you're a personal trainer, right? And you mentioned mm-hmm. you were kind of living on rubbish or junk food or whatever yeah. uh, to keep yeah. it going. When you, just as a career kind of question, when you train to be a personal trainer, does that not involve a section based on nutrition or are you totally separate altogether? Yeah, no, it does um, involve a, a section on nutrition, but it's a very basic a bit of nutrition so it's it's understanding carbs fats and proteins basically it's not going deeper into you know the pancreas releases insulin to produce to manage your blood sugars and all that kind of thing it's just you need to eat this amount of protein you need to eat this amount of carbohydrate and this amount of fat and because the world of nutrition is changing so rapidly in understanding how the body responds how the hormones respond what well, i was taught back in 2002 actually is not relevant now. Uh, right. We were taught calories in versus calories out then to manage your weight, for example. And it's not relevant now. As as researchers progress, they've realized that there's so much more to um, managing weight, managing our well-being, managing our sleep. You know, the research into sleep wasn't really starting to move forward until, um, you know, kind of 2000, early 2010. So we, so much has been kind of recognized in the last few years in terms of actually the things that we used to they used to think worked from, from a nutritional point of view actually doesn't work anymore. And so so um as a personal trainer, I was eating a sandwich at lunchtime. I was, I was, you know, eating sugar because I believed that was the thing that was going to give me the energy. Um, but it's not consistent energy. It was giving me an energy spike for about two, about 20 minutes, half an hour, and then I was crashing and needing to eat more sugar to keep my energy levels going. Whereas without that sugar, I can keep my insulin levels balanced which results in me having consistent energy not peaks and troughs of energy an individual say well i'll I'll kind of call out myself here that doesn't have a six pack but maybe has a one pack Mm. or a little pot belly so to speak is that generally down to too much sugar and insulin or is there maybe other factors in play yeah i mean other factors So cortisol is a hormone that's released in response to stress. And we do live a very much far more stressful life, far more frenetic life than we've ever lived before. So when cortisol is released, that can cause fat to be laid down around the middle. Um, But when you get cortisol, the hormone that's released in response to stress and insulin, the hormone that's released in response to sugar, when those two are in the system, those two, are, I like to call them the ugly sisters of, of, <laughs> of hormones, because those two together will block your body's ability to be able to burn fat for fuel. 
and they will cause the laying down of um, usually visceral fat around the organs um, and around your middle. So, and you can tell if your if your weight gain is stress related, it will be the pot belly, and if it's insulin related, it will be the love handles. Basically, that's usually the way that you can tell whether your weight is being gained through stress or through too much sugar. Right. But we're all exposed to far too much sugar. We don't even realize it on a day-to-day basis because of now the kind of onset of ultra-processed food full of sugar, full of rubbish that the body can't metabolize and can't use properly. And so we just lay it down as fat, basically. So I have both the pot belly and the love handles, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for example, for cortisol, right, how can then an individual, can they control that? Is there a supplement you can take or is there anything in general? Or is it just well, because it's stress-related you can exercise or...? Yeah. So, so, well, first of all, if you think about sugar, when we eat sugar, it's, um, it's an inflammatory food. So the process that the body goes through to metabolize sugar in its, in its refined form, it's different when we're getting it from fruits and vegetables, but sugar in its refined form, well, actually, let's just step back up and go glucose. Any form of glucose comes from carbohydrate. And we've got carbohydrate from reds and greens and oranges in the terms of fruits and vegetables, and then carbohydrate in the terms of beige and white, you know, bread, pasta, all the refined refined products. But the body metabolizes that glucose in exactly the same way. And when it metabolizes the glucose, um, the process that the body goes through releases um, uh, byproducts that basically can cause inflammation in the body. And that's a stress on the body. Now, if we're getting our if we're getting our glucose from reds and greens and oranges, fruits and vegetables, those products, those those sub, um, foods also have um, uh, what's called antioxidants in them that will neutralize those byproducts that are created when we metabolize the glucose and will flush those byproducts out of the system so they can't cause the inflammation. But if we're, if we're getting our, our carbohydrate from the beige and the white, the breads, the pastas, they don't have they don't have those antioxidants in them. So we can't neutralize those byproducts. So they start to create inflammation in the system. And that inflammation is a stress on the body. So if our blood sugars are out of balance because we're consuming a lot of beige and white carbohydrate, not only then are we creating, setting up inflammation in the system and on our blood sugars are on a roller coaster, our insulin is peaking and troughing, but we're also then releasing cortisol because cortisol is released in response to stress. So that's when we get, you know, we, we might be kind of not thinking that we're particularly stressed, not living a particularly stressful lifestyle. But if our blood sugar's on a roller coaster, that is a stress internally. And that we still release cortisol in the same way. If we're stressed externally, we will still release cortisol in the same way. And often what happens then, well, it, it will happen. It's not often. It happens every single time when we're stressed. Um we have something called the flight or fight response. So if we're stressed externally, we have this flight or fight response, which basically is an uh, an electrical stimulus that either hits the eye or, or hits the brain. And the body, then there's a cascade of hormones that tells the body to shut everything else down apart from providing the muscles with energy. Because that flight or fight response came from a time when we were a hunter-gatherer society and we had to run and catch our food 
Now, we still have that flight or fine response, but of course, we're not running and catching food now. We're sitting at our desk when we're stressed because we're talking to someone on the telephone or we're always sitting in traffic or, you know, this multitude of stressful situations that happen throughout the course of the day. Um, and that but that cortisol response is still exactly the same when we're in a stressful situation. Cortisol is released. Adrenaline is released. The body shuts down all the non-vital functions like our digestive system. And it just floods the muscles with energy, with sugars onto the mitochondria can create energy. And then what happens when we come out of that stressful response? Because the body's released glycogen from our muscles to be able to have the energy, we then have to restore that um, glycogen. And that glycogen comes from eating glucose. So often what we'll end up doing is reaching for sugary foods when we come out of a stressful situation in order to be able to replenish the glycogen that's been used or that's been released from our muscles, but not necessarily been used. And then what happens is insulin takes the released glycogen to the cells for energy production. We don't produce any energy. So that glycogen is taken to the liver and either stored in the liver or stored as fat, turned into triglycerides and stored as fat. So, so whether you are eating sugar and the stress is internal or whether the stress is external, the consequences are the same. We lay down fat when we're in a stressed situation, stressful, stressed situation internally because we've been eating too much sugar and our blood sugars are on a roller coaster or stressed externally. Um, we'll still release the glycogen from the muscles and we still need to eat more and we'll still lay down fat. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle. And then it's so what you can do is then kind of go, well, how do I manage this? What do I do about this? If there's stress externally, what's the easiest way to get that under control? Well, the easiest way to get external stress under control is to reduce the internal stress, reduce the internal inflammation. So if you can balance your blood sugars and reduce the inflammation internally, it's so much easier to cope with stress externally. So then we can start to lower our blood sugars, manage our cortisol levels and start to see kind of progress towards better health. And then you can do really simple things like breathing exercises, breathing in for seven and out for 11, a count of seven, you breathe in for an account of 11, you breathe out for, and you do that three times. That can help to kind of calm down cortisol as well. Yoga, um, mindfulness, walking in, you know, walking in nature, all of these are great way of, ways of calming down your cortisol levels. And if you're then combining that with eating really good food, really colorful food with lots of protein, you can begin to calm down the stress internally too. And again, you can keep making strides towards longer term, better health. That's quite a long way of talking, saying <laughs> there is ways to manage stress internally and externally. <laughs> it's, it's very informative. And um, what about then? So, so Right. If we were to go back to basics, so say you're talking to a total idiot like myself. So sugar itself. So if anybody doesn't know where sugar comes from, because we take everything. Well, I suppose we take a lot of things for granted these days that it's just there like tea bags or sugar or milk or bread. And so where does sugar come from? And is there different kind of qualities of sugar in terms of where it's being produced? So we hear those organic terms of organic honey and so on and uh, gluten free and Everything is of a better quality, but sugar itself is it? Is it? How is it produced, or how is it made, or where does it come from, or where is the the main manufacturing places on the planet that actually produce sugar? So sugar is sugar in terms of the body and how the body responds to it. So you've got fruit sugars, 
Um, and 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 those are in your in the fruits. They literally are in the fruits that you consume. And then you've got sugars that are grown to be added to processed products. Um, so you've got sugar beet and all that kind of thing that can be added to um, processed products. And the body responds to that sugar, whichever way, whatever sugar you're eating, whether it's honey, coconut sugar, or whether it's sugar added to a cake, or, you know, like a refined sugar, white table sugar added to a cake, the body responds to that sugar in exactly the same way. It releases insulin from the pancreas. And depending on how quickly that sugar is released into the bloodstream will depict how quickly the uh, the insulin is released from your from your pancreas so if like i said at the beginning we need glucose to function the brain functions on glucose and we get glucose from a range of different substances you know a range of different carbohydrates and if we're looking at that spectrum of carbohydrates the easiest way to get instant sugar is to kind of go run the white end or the beige end that will release sugars into your bloodstream really quickly and you'll get the glucose to have the energy, but because it's released really quickly, insulin is released really quickly, and it will pick the sugars up, take them to the cells for energy production. If the cells don't need those sugars, all the receptors will shut down on the, on the cells, and the insulin will take the sugar to the liver and store it as glycogen. If we're getting our, if we're getting our glucose from the, the more colorful end of the spectrum, all the fruits and vegetables, they are released much more slowly. They're full of fiber and then that glucose is released much more slowly into the bloodstream. So because it's released slowly, so insulin is released much more slowly from the, from the pancreas. And as a result, you have a much steadier blood glucose level, much steadier release of insulin. And when insulin is under control, when we've got insulin really well balanced, that will have a knock-on effect to other hormones. So if our insulin is high because we're on a blood sugar roller coaster, we release a hormone called ghrelin and ghrelin tells us we're hungry. So if you're on a blood sugar roller coaster and you've got high levels of insulin in the system, you will also have high levels of ghrelin, which means you'll never feel full. You'll never feel sated and you'll want to be snacking all the time. Right. If, you're, if your insulin is steady and you've been getting all your glucose from the, the colorful end of the spectrum and lots of proteins and good quality fats and things, um, if your insulin is steady, then we don't release ghrelin in the same way, but we can release a hormone called leptin, which helps us to feel full the whole time for all the time and to um, uh, burn fat for fuel, to switch into a fat burning mode. So insulin, sugar is sugar, but however we eat it, Wherever we get it from, it still has the same response in the body, an insulin response, but it's how the body metabolizes that sugar and how quickly it's released into the bloodstream as to the knock-on effect it has in the body. We want ideally foods that are going to keep our insulin nicely balanced. So you, there's some little hacks that you can you can use to help to keep your insulin balanced. So, for example, if you're having um, an apple, because it's full of fruit sugars, always have it with a little bit of protein, maybe a handful of almonds or some slices of cheese, and that will slow the, the the release of sugars down into your bloodstream, so it will keep it nice and steady. If you're having a piece of cake, <laughs> only ever have a piece of cake on a full stomach, because if you've got a full stomach that's full of good quality fibres, you know, lots of colourful greens and reds, um, 
then you can have the cake and it will release the glucose from the cake more slowly. You want to be thinking about, that's why we have dessert. Dessert is only ever designed to be eaten after a meal. It's not designed to be eaten between meals. You know, pieces of cake are not designed to be eaten between meals. We should be eating them after a meal, straight after a meal, so that all the other foods that we've eaten can almost kind of um, dilute the sugar that is consumed from the cake. So, Again, another long-winded way of saying <laughs> sugar, <Not at> sugar. <laughs> sugar is sugar, and, and your insulin will always be released in response to sugar. Is there any anything else out there like that, like a supplement or a herb, or which can kind of trick the body into releasing uh, ghrelin? I mean, is it a case of um, is it just eating the right foods? Yeah, but you don't want the body to release ghrelin because ghrelin is the hormone that tells you you're hungry. You want yeah. the body to release leptin. Um, and you can, it is a case of really understanding what foods do to your body. So the easiest thing to do, okay, first thing in the morning, your stomach is full of hydrochloric acid and hydrochloric acid is designed to break down protein. It's not designed to break down carbohydrate. So we shouldn't be eating toast and cereal for breakfast. We should be eating a protein-based breakfast, ideally savory. So eggs with spinach and avocados, for example, or, or if you do want sweet, then you know go for full-fat Greek yogurt with seeds and nuts and some blueberries on it. And if you eat something for breakfast, or the first thing you eat in the daytime. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you're having it at breakfast time or whenever you're having it, but the first thing you eat needs to be protein-based um, because that will then release sugars into your bloodstream more slowly. Now, if you're eating something and within two and a half hours, two to two and a half hours, you're hungry, that is a sign that what you ate has spiked your blood sugars and caused them to crash again. And then you end up wanting to eat something more because you're hungry, because your blood glucose levels have dropped. And usually what we end up eating is more sugary foods. Um, so if you're eating the right thing at the beginning of the day and setting your insulin levels up for to be steady, that will, should keep you going all the way through and for about four to four and a half hours. You shouldn't need to eat again for at least four to four and a half hours, if not five hours. And so the way you can tell whether your blood sugar is on a roller coaster is if you're hungry within two and a half hours, you're on a blood sugar roller coaster. If you can keep going from one meal to the next for a good five hours, then your blood sugars are really steady. But there is no one size fits all when it comes to how our body responds to foods. We have to listen to what our body is telling us Um either telling us we're hungry or telling us we're energized and feeling really full and, you know, kind of with a love of life kind of thing. If if you're feeling like that between meals and you can keep going for hours, then the food you're eating is keeping your blood sugars really steady. If you're hungry within two and a half hours, the food you're eating has spiked your blood sugars, caused them to crash, and you'll end up kind of having high levels of ghrelin and needing to snack. So it's all about being more intuitive. We've stopped listening to what our body's telling us. Um, we just we just listen to the media and the media tells us we need to snack five times a day or what have you. So that's what we think we need to do. Actually, what we need to do is listen to the messages that our body is telling us. And if our body is saying, I'm hungry within two and a half hours, then you're not, you've not got blood sugars and, and you've not got steady blood sugars. And so it's just about really getting back in touch with what what messages am I hearing from my body? What food did I eat that worked for me to keep me nice and full? And therefore, I need to eat more of that. So it's, you know, it really is a kind of intuitive process to get to that point where you understand 
um, how to eat for good steady blood sugars. And so there isn't a supplement that I would say, yeah, go and, and take that supplement and that will steady your blood sugars. There are techniques that you can use like fiber before you eat. Fiber will slow the release of blood sugars down and stuff. Um, but it's all about really understanding the food that I'm eating and how is it making me feel. What about then, so we're, we're focusing on so much protein, say in the morning, as you mentioned, eggs, spinach, uh, avocados. And so, so what's your opinion? You don't have to mention any brands or that. So the kind of the cheap protein drinks are these kind of yogurts that they have to kind of, it says 25 grams of protein or mm. what's your opinion on them? Should we be avoiding them? Anything with more, anything with more than five ingredients in this processed. Right. So the and the and the and the and the food industry want you to consume their foods. So they create foods that are invariably full of sugar. They don't talk about the sugar. They might put the protein on there, but they don't tell you. They don't tell you about the sugar. Um, but they want you to stay addicted to their products, basically. So um, they want you to buy more more of them. So something that has to kind of make a big statement about, um, you know, 25 grams of protein and, and low fat and high fiber and all this kind of thing, invariably it's, it's having to shout very loudly above all the other noise that's out there to try and make you to choose to buy it. But it invariably won't be that good for you. Yeah. Um, I, I was um, There was a bar that I was looking at with someone the other week um, that it was, you know, it had however many grams of protein in it and stuff. It was a protein bar. And when I looked at the ingredients, there were 12 different sweeteners in there. Right. And so, okay, it said low sugar, but it still had sweeteners in there. And sweeteners will still cause the same release of insulin in your body. And it's insulin that is the, the hormone that we need to get under control. When we get that under control, it's the panacea. We can We can live a full and vibrant life. But so many people are you know, drawn by the protein, it's going to build muscle or it's going to do what have you actually. Um, but scratch, scratch beneath the surface and look and see how many, how much, how many sweetness are in there. Anything with an O's on the end of it, fructose, sucralose, all of those are all just sugars hidden within the foods that we're eating. Very interesting because especially for those that are kind of, you know, pumping it hard in the gym, trying to get the, uh, the muscles up in the six packs and stuff like that. Mm. And, you know, I've done it myself where you have to, the easiest thing to do is immediately within 20 minutes or 30 minutes after a workout, you'll take the protein drink, the vanilla, the chocolate, the strawberries, mm. like the craving, mm. so to speak. Um, but no, it's, it's it's very interesting to hear your 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 um, your knowledge and your take on this. So what about then? And invariably, that protein drink is just because you've, you're going to bro- on a blood sugar crash, not because you actually need protein. It's usually because you're having a blood sugar crash because your blood sugars are not balanced. Is it then so? You know, we we mentioned the packaging and stuff like that. So natural sugars and added sugars is that another way of kind of us being attracted? Because I'll be honest with you, I've had friends or family saying, "Oh, that has uh, zero sugar in it," but it actually doesn't say that. It says no added sugars. So what yeah. does that mean? Well, so they will, they can get around that by by using fructose because fructose is termed a fruit sugar. Um, and they might not add any sugars to it, but invariably they'll add sweetness to it. So whilst it might say no added sugars, it will invariably have sweeteners in there. Um, so you always have to be really mindful. Just look at the ingredients and I say anything O's, anything with O-S-E on the end will be either a sweetener or some kind of um, hidden sugar. But if it has to say 
if it says on it no added sugar then invariably there's something else that's in there that's kind of giving it the sweetness and the sweetness still causes an insulin release so just because it's not sugar um doesn't mean to say that you won't then have the same insulin response by the body right and even with the likes of these you see sometimes in supermarkets or shops are selling uh, uh zero sugar uh, chocolate bars or uh, biscuits and so on um is there anything to be aware of on the labeling there as well to actually well, yeah, confirm that it's not sugar if it's a sweet product it's going to have some kind of artificial flavoring in it so some kind of artificial sweetener in it and often artificial sweeteners can be just as damaging to the body as as a sugar is so you know my advice there would be rather than going for no sugar this or that just don't just reduce the need for sweetness down try and get your taste buds to change by getting your blood sugars balanced so that you don't need as much sweetness. Um, and then when you do have a little bit of sweet something, have something proper, have something that is just, you know, has normal added sugar to it rather than trying to find things that will mean that you're not consuming the sugar, but actually you're consuming other even sometimes even more damaging substances like artificial sweeteners that can then cause put a lot of pressure on the liver and stuff. So it's all about, we say it's all about moderation. It's not all about moderation. It's just about retraining your taste buds to be not to be more sensitive to sweetness so that you don't need to consume so much sweetness. And then you won't need to look for the no sugar things. You can just kind of be more mindful about what you're eating and say, well, actually, it's okay. I'm going to have that today, but then that's it. I'm not going to have anything more for another seven or eight days or what have you, because I don't need it. Um, and when you're more sensitive to sweetness, you actually find yourself wanting sweet foods less. Um, so you're not always trying to find that substitute. What is your cheat then, Sue? So you mentioned there before that you, you you wouldn't have sweet things as much as maybe before. But if you're going for that sweetness, what would you typically go for? Are you talking about cake or would it be a biscuit or Yeah. So so you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna allow myself something sweet, I I'll always look. I mean, if I go out from my family meal and stuff, I'll look at the dessert menu. And if there's something on there that I think yeah, I really, really fancy that. That would really work for me. Then I'll allow myself to have it. But if I look at the menu and think, do I fancy any of those things? I don't think I do. I'm not really that bothered. I'd rather what I call my sugar credits. I'd rather save my sugar credits for another day. Right. So if I'm going to eat any kind of sugary, anything sweet, I will have some really good quality dark chocolate. That would be my first place to start i am a bit of a sucker for cheesecake it has to be said but it needs to be a good quality cheesecake i'm not gonna just not, not gonna have any old cheesecake okay. um, and that comes from i spent a lot of time in, i lived in seattle for a while and, and we used to have um a, a, a restaurant upstairs from where i lived and they used to make the best new york based baked cheesecake ever so that was my kind of love of cheesecake and i've never really been able to find anyone that does anything anywhere near as good as that cheesecake but again i wouldn't have it very often um and i wouldn't have it unless i really really thought yeah today's the day i'm going to allow myself to have that cheesecake but i it, for me because i've become a lot more sensitive to sugar i don't need to have sugar to 
you know, kind of, I don't have those sweet cravings. I don't, my blood sugars are really well balanced. I don't have any cravings through the day and I don't have the need for sweetness in the same way as I perhaps used to maybe 15 years ago before I, I started on this journey. And the sugar credits, so many sugar credits, just for anybody listening that wants to kind of start a plan and kind of, <laughs> you know, get into the, into the routine of having less and less sugar, especially if they're yeah. consuming a lot. How many credits would you give yourself? Well, now I, I allow myself one sugar credit a week. A week, uh, okay. A week. But if I was if I was working with someone who was starting out on that sugar, trying to reduce their sugar down, I would probably say we'll focus on four sugar credits right. a week. So that might be a glass of alcohol. It might be dessert. It might be a bar of chocolate. And we would work together to kind of keep it to four to begin with. And then we would reduce it down to three. And this would be over probably over a... A six-week period, gradually we're producing down so that you get to one sugar credit a week. It's a good way of doing it for setting goals, isn't it? Yeah, really is. Yeah, I do that all the time with my clients so that they don't feel like they can never have it again. They yeah. can, you know, they've got access to it. They want if they want to bank a sugar credit from one week to the next, they can do too. Because you know, I have clients that go, I'm going away for the weekend with girlfriends or what have you. I know I'm going to have some something to drink on the Saturday night, and we're going to go out for lunch on the Sunday, and I want to eat dessert. So I'm going to save my two sugar credits from the last two weeks and have them over that weekend. And that then that means that there's no guilt attached to it. Then it's it's okay. You've given yourself permission to have it. Yeah, and, and rather than going in full hog. You know, one hundred percent in, and then four days later on, you crashed. You're yeah, like, exactly. I've given up. I've no energy. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not listening to Sue anymore. Yeah, <laughs> her, her wonderful credits. Um, <laughs> what about then? I mean, yet again, this is this is a, probably a stupid question, but just to to kind of get it out there, just in case uh, anybody listening to this doesn't fully understand sugar. <clears throat> Excuse me, but do humans need sugar generally? And is there any foods out there that you can say to yourself, contain no sugar whatsoever in today's world specifically. Because as you mentioned there, a lot of stuff is processed. When you go to a supermarket or uh, a high-end store or whatever, it, it's psychologically laid out that you know your eyes get attracted to that area first or this area first when you walk through the supermarket. So is there anything out there which is kind of sugary free that the body likes? Well, so first off, our body our body needs glucose, and glucose um, glucose is the substance that is created from carbohydrates. So we all we, we need carbohydrate to function because it is our primary fuel source. Um, but it's it's as we've developed through the twenty first century, and we've created more sugary substances that mean it's sugar is more readily available to us. That's when we've started to see the issues around blood sugar balance. Um, we, we, you know, as a hunter-gatherer society, we would have functioned on on our carbohydrate would have been the vegetables that, or the the fruit that we picked off the trees, any any kind of foliage that we might have, um, you know, kind of uh, searched for and stuff. That would have been our greens, reds, and oranges. And then, you know, in in the in times where we were growing our own vegetables and stuff, we would have we'd get most of our carbohydrate would come from any vegetables, green and and, and fruits as well. And then as we've moved into the kind of 21st century and the food industry has taken over and started to kind of create convenience for us, that's where we've started to get all our carbohydrates from the more refined sources. And that's, there's no, there's no, um, it's not a coincidence that, you know, over the last 50, 60 years, as 
the food industry has become bigger and created more and more processed foods that we've started to head into, you know, metabolic conditions like obesity, like high blood pressure um, and, and cardiovascular disease, like type 2 diabetes. That's happened over the last 60, 70 years as the food industry has become more and more prevalent in, in you know, in society and, and processed food has become more, um, you know, readily available to us because we sold that kind of it's convenient. You're time, you're time poor, but cash rich. So therefore buy this, buy this ready-made meal because it will save you time. But then actually what you're taking on board is a whole load of processed and, and refined sugars basically. So the, the kind of, how that how our 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 waistlines, for example, for, you know, for example, have have grown is in response to how much sugar that we've started to consume in our diet. Now, of course, there are foods out there that don't have sugar in them, but they do have carbohydrate in them, and that's the important thing to remember: is that the body functions. The main fuel source is carbohydrate; it's the glucose that comes from the carbohydrate. We can switch into fat burning mode, so we can manage. You know, we can we can access a, a fuel source from from our fat reserves or from fats that we consume as well. So you don't actually want to look for a product that doesn't have, or not a product, but you don't want to look for anything that doesn't have um, carbohydrate in it. What you want to look for, though, is things that don't have any added sugar or any sugar of any description, and that means going for one one ingredient foods. <laughs> You know, <laughs> protein in the form of chicken, fish, um, pulses, that kind of thing. Anything that's homemade won't have any sugar in it because you'll know that you have you've you created it without the sugar kind of thing. So and sugar is a great stabilizer. It'll give things a long shelf life. So that's one of the reasons why they add it even to savory foods. They'll add sugar to give it a longer shelf life. Is it then you know, can we assume then, or even with some of your clients you've had in the past, do you notice a difference between when you first engage with them to maybe later on, maybe weeks or months later, that their mental clarity, their mood is improved, their their physical appearance is improved, they, they feel more self-confident? Is that usually what happens when we manage the sugar? Yeah, 100%. 100%. So usually I can see someone's improvements just in their energy levels, usually within about 10 days, within about 10 days of kind of following um, a lower sugar lifestyle. I have a program called the the sugar-free method, which is a kind of the method to eat for good blood sugar balance. And it's five principles that you follow and you apply those every day. Um, and within about 10 days of starting on that program, most people that start on that program will be reporting already um, better quality sleep, more energy, uh, and, and, and better looking skin. Their skin looks like it's kind of less less grey. Right. Um, and then uh, as they progress through that program, you know, that's when they start to see reduced bloating, um, um, less joint pain, um, more mental clarity, able to cope with things on a day-to-day -day basis much better as well because their body's less inflamed and less stressed internally. And, and you can see a lot of these changes in literally in about four weeks, you can someone can go from, you know, kind of being feeling miserable, feeling lacking of energy, not getting any sleep, feeling bloated, feeling really uncomfortable, in a lot of pain with joint pain and stuff. You take the sugar away and you can really be accelerating someone's health 
just in a really short period of time. And when they see those results in that short period of time, in that four weeks, it makes them more inclined to carry on with that journey uh, and to keep going long-term. And then, of course, if you keep going long-term, you can literally transform your health. And, and what would be the main reason, Sue, to get in touch with you in the first place? I mean, is it because maybe an individual or a friend of theirs have said, look, you know, you, you don't look the best, your breathing is heavy, you look overweight. What's usually the main reason for an individual or a client to come to you for 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 help? Usually someone has been given um, some kind of diagnosis like fatty liver disease or pre-diabetes or high cholesterol or high blood pressure come to me first of all, first and foremost, because they've kind of had a bit of a shock and they kind of realise, actually, I need to get my health back under control. I can't carry on like this. That's the first kind of type of person that would come to me. The second type of person would be, I've tried every diet out there. Nothing works. I can't seem to um, get my weight under control. I feel miserable. I start on a Monday. I've given up by Wednesday. None of my clothes fit anymore. I don't want to buy a new wardrobe. And I'm just, you know, I, I'm done with the kind of yo yo-yoing dieting. I want to understand how I can, um, how I can make a change that's sustainable and lasting, but do it in a way that's realistic and not too overwhelming. Right. And then the third person that comes to me will often be the person that just isn't sleeping, wants more energy, um, has maybe got some hormone problems, maybe is their mood is low, and they're struggling a bit with kind of, you know, just their overall sort of mental well-being um and that you know take, removing sugar can can have a huge impact on our mental well-being as well so there's that three types of people the person that's had that bit of a shock i didn't expect to get that diagnosis the person that has just tried every diet out there and can't really get their weight under control and their pre-diabetes under control and the third person is that person who um who 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 just you know is at a point of of kind of desperation and feels low and but wants to to make a change uh, what about then so say for example an individual has come to you and they have had that shock kind of diagnosis have you ever had where they've gone 180 degrees the opposite side and is that a bit of a concern as well where they kind of just stop they, they stop eating and they kind of, I want to get rid of this weight. I want to look good. I want to look, you know, I want to feel fit again. Is that a danger as well to go from one extreme to another? Well, the way I work is that I make, we make really subtle changes. So like I talked about the sugar credits and, you know, yeah. we start with four sugar credits a week. I try not to go down the road of making it uh, a psychological thing. We try to focus on all the, good things you can have what can I eat it's not restriction it's kind of what can I eat what are all the things that I can nourish my body with how can I give my body back you know how can I love my body how can I put all the good nutrients into my body to make me feel better um so I'm very much about you know if, if you if someone wants to lose weight it's not about saying well, you can't have this you can't have that and so they don't eat anything. What we focus on is what can you eat? How can we nourish your body? How can we get your blood, blood sugars balanced? So it comes from it very much from a place of positivity rather than the place of kind of restriction and negativity, which is what the food industry like us to think. You know, I don't talk about calories. I don't talk about restriction. It's all very much about what are the foods that are going to work for your body and how can we nourish your body to make sure that you feel at your best at any one time. And when we really key into, um, you know, kind of that self-respect and that loving ourselves, 
that's when we can really kind of go, ah, I see sugar is the poison that I shouldn't be consuming, but actually all this color and all this good quality protein is 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 the medicine essentially. And that's what helps someone to really, I, I, I don't, I've never, I don't believe I've ever had a client who's kind of gone the other way and gone, I'm just not going to eat anything um, because of the approach that I take is very much about let's, let's feed your body. Let's not put it into a place of restriction. So what about then, Sue, here's a hard-hitting question, probably the most toughest question of today. So if somebody's having a cup of tea, right, and they're listening to you right now, um, about sugar and stuff like that, and they love the four or five, you know, uh, clumps of sugar into their cup of tea, have you any substitute for that individual? <laughs> Don't drink the tea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, have a hot water. Have if hot you, water. If, Often what we do is we make associations with things. So we think I sit down to have a cup of tea and I need to put sugar in it and I need to eat a biscuit. Um, so if that's the habit that you're in, don't sit down and have the cup of tea. Find a different habit. Do something that means you're not, that you're moving away from that habit so that you don't then have to consume the sugar in the same way. Or any alternative sweetness out there you would... Would... Like I said, sugar is sugar. You know, so, we, try, we always try to find alternatives, but there is no such thing as a free lunch. So you'll end up just kind of going down another rabbit hole and you'll still be needing that sweetness. And it's actually so much better just to avoid the sweetness in the first place. No, that that, that makes perfect sense. I'll um, No, it's, it's always interesting because I think, as you said yourself, it, it is going down that rabbit hole where you're always trying to find a substitute for something else. and a sub mm. It's like even at the moment, the meat. It's like now it's it's um, instead of having kind of uh, beef or chicken, it's being replaced by something else now to, yeah. to make it taste similar or mm. or smell similar. So as you said yourself, it's either it's either one it's either one or 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 the other. Do you find as well? There's so much information out there, Sue. Right, and even somebody listens to this podcast right now, they might think, oh well, I heard off you know this nutritionist they said this or they said that, and we hear about misinformation and so on. If you're trying to encourage your family or your friends not to consume as much sugar, what would you recommend or suggest to them to kind of educate themselves rather than, you know, when I was growing up, my parents might say, oh, don't eat that, that's bad for you, or don't eat that, that's bad for you. But now it's like one side on one topic might say that's bad for you, and then somebody else will say, but the same topic, no, it's actually okay for you. So what would you say to educate an individual or a group of family or friends? Um, well, the first thing I would say is you've got to, like I said earlier on, there's no one size fits all. So you've got to listen to what your body is telling you. So I, I could use a really good example. My dad could eat after his lunch. He could have about three oranges and he would be, you know, full all afternoon. If I have an orange after my lunch, I will be hungry by three o'clock because the orange has spiked my blood sugars and caused them to crash again. So there's no one size fits all. So when I'm if you're working with your family or friends, you want to help them understand what sugar do, does to them. The first place I would start would be with a protein-based breakfast. You know, just have a protein-based breakfast and see how it makes you feel. That's the first thing I would do. Um, and have that protein-based breakfast religiously every day for two weeks. And then just see then if you've had that protein-based breakfast, what is that doing to the rest of your day? Are you snacking still or, or has that reduced? You kind of often don't notice things changing until you kind of think about it. Um, so, 
the first experiment I would say is have a protein-based breakfast, see how it makes you feel, keep that going for two weeks. Once you've kind of come to the end of that two weeks and you're thinking, am I still snacking as much as I was? Am I still having the sugar cravings? Where are the sugar cravings if I'm having them? Oh, they're in the afternoon. So therefore, what am I eating at lunchtime? Maybe I need to change my lunch a little bit. Maybe I need to get rid of the sandwich. Maybe I should think about taking some salad with lots of good quality protein on and see what happens then. So then that's the next change you can make. Just make that one, that next one change. Already a protein-based breakfast has become a habit. Then two weeks, three weeks later, switch up your lunch and see if that makes a difference to your afternoon slump or the sugar cravings in the afternoon, how far you can get in the afternoon without needing to snack your workout after you finish work, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and just really listen to how are the, how is the food I'm eating making me feel? And then that, you know, if you're feeling low, lethargic, lacking of energy, um, hungry, then the food you're eating is not working for you. If you're feeling bloated, if your skin is is gray. Um, if you just don't have any motivation for anything, the food you're eating is not working for you. The food you're eating should be filling you with energy. It should be filling you with, you know, kind of like mental clarity. It should lift your mood. It should lift your feeling about yourself um, and mean and make you super productive throughout the course of the day. And if it's not doing that for you, then you need to look at what you're eating and start to make small changes, gradual small changes. So it doesn't become overwhelming, but it's a way of just kind of taking the first steps to to healing your body because good food will heal, heal your body. I've been very nosy, uh, Sue. I'm on your website, suethomaswellbeing.co.uk. There's the uh, mm -hmm. first plug. Um, generally, you have uh, some programs. So I'm looking here, you have the seven-day sugar circuit break, the sugar-free method, fed up to fabulous. So can you give an overview of, of some of these programs? Are they based generally on individuals or do you go into corporations as well that might want to kind of educate their, their staff? Yeah, I mean, I will happily go in and talk to corporates Um about sugar and sugar in the workplace. I have a a, a, um, um, a presentation that I called the, Tr the Truth About Sugar that helps individuals understand and make their own choices around sugar. Um, I have a seven-day sugar circuit break, which is a seven-day dip your toe in the water <clears throat> and find out what it's like not to have sugar in your life just for the seven days to see how much more energy you can have. I run that as a group um, and I run that usually four times a year. But I happily will run within a corporate environment as well. And we usually do it as a kind of sponsored activity. So all the staff will give up sugar. There's no sugar in the workplace. And they do that for seven days, but they're raising money for something. So there's a kind of bit of a corporate social responsibility behind it as well. Um, that group program is run online. It's all live and online. Um, so you can do it from anywhere. And then I have um, the sugar-free method, which is the five principles of how to eat to balance your blood sugars long term to live the kind of long to live the full and vibrant life that you should be living. Um, and that's run online. I do that every month. I run that one every month. I only take five people at a time on that one. The idea is that that is so that you get time with me, you get support from me, but you also have accountability from the group. Um, and then my Fed Up to Fabulous program is a 12-week coaching program, which um, is is you work with me one-to-one, -one, basically. So that's for the person that really doesn't want to work in that group environment, knows they need to change, wants to make long-term long habit changes. And that's where I tend to bring the sugar credits in, um, but doesn't kind of doesn't know where to start and almost feels a bit 
intimidated at that starting point. And I'll just guide them week on week, making gradual lifestyle changes so that ultimately by the end of the 12 weeks, they're a different person to the person they were when they started. That's pretty cool. I mean, and if if a company or an individual wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to contact you? I mean, I, I can see here on the Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Yeah. Is that the way? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm on all of those three platforms as Sue Thomas, the sugar-free coach. Um, but you can equally as much, you can email me, sue at suethomas.org, O-R-G at the end, .org. Um, or you can just fill in a contact form with me on my website, suethomaswellbeing.co.uk. Well, it's been an absolute joy to talk today, uh, Sue, on the Wellbeing Career Podcast. I will put all the information in and the links uh, to get in touch with you once the podcast has been released and uh, approved by Sue. So thanks so much for uh, Sue Thomas for chatting with me today on the Wellbeing Career Podcast. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me, David. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.